Hello, everyone. Since this is either a highlight, a standalone book, or the first episode in a series, I'm jumping in to remind you what the rules are for this podcast. First rule is no real people stories. That means that any details from our own lives are merely anecdotal. We do not read books about real people, and we are not reading historical fiction. The second rule is that we are basing our analyses off of how the author treats characters and what they put them through. We are not judging the accuracy of the trauma, the accuracy of any actual conditions that may be portrayed, nor the authenticity of a character's reaction to that trauma or that particular condition. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The hosts are not trained professionals, and their opinions come solely from personal experience. In this episode, we discuss fictional depictions of trauma and violence that may not be suitable for all audiences. Please take care of yourselves. Today we're discussing a spell for, for each episode can Book be found in the show notes. Events in the media are discussed Anthony. in approximate Being order of escalation. Everything this except episode magic. contains spoilers. He must demonstrate a magical talent by his 25th birthday or else be banished from Xanth forever. Today we're discussing A Spell for Chameleon, book one of the Xanth series by Piers Anthony. Bink has it all, everything except magic. He must demonstrate a magical talent by his 25th birthday or else be banished from Xanth forever. Today we're discussing A Spell for Chameleon, book one of the Xanth series by Piers Anthony. Bink has it all, everything except magic. He must demonstrate a magical talent by his 25th birthday or else be banished from Xanth forever. Hi, I'm Nicole. And I'm Robin, and this fortnight we have a guest. Matthew Garling from Unintelligible Design. Excellent. So check out the pluggables at the end of the episode to hear more about that. But for now, we are discussing A Spell for Chameleon by Piers Anthony, and our factions are... At this point, this time it's basically just a character list. We've got Bink, Sabrina... Justin Tree, because he's a tree, uh, <laughs> Sherry, Chester, Wynn, Corporal Crombie, D, Fanchin, Humphrey, Trent, Chameleon, and Herman the Hermit. So a thing I want to say right up front is I used to love this series and I don't every more don't anymore because I'm now out of the soup of toxic masculinity that I was in. Uh, when I was reading these the first time, and now I can see it. Uh, <laughs> I so can see clear. That's <laughs> it's a uh, bittersweet because I remember loving these books, and I definitely would have recommended them and been like, "Oh, there's this thing with this one character," but like, it's fine. It's not fine. It's not. It's, <laughs> it's not, not fine. fine. In contrast, I had not read these before, and I hate them. Oh no. <laughs> Um, yeah. Matthew, your thoughts? <laughs> I only ever read one book, and I don't think I finished it later on in the series. And, you know, one or two things I could accept, but just the level of it in this book, even stuff you've pointed mm-hmm. out that I haven't caught on to originally, is just, yeah. Uh, so we're going to get to it, but the it is constant. Just like... I'd be like, okay, if it can go five pages, just just give me five pages without some sexist comment from somebody, then maybe I can recommend this book with some heavy caveats. And it <laughs> it it couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. No. All right. So oh, some of it's having- on the surface and others <laughs> is just right in your face yelling at you literally. <laughs> yeah. Um 
yelling about how all the terribleness is totally fine. What are you looking at? No, we don't have any problems. What do you mean? Why are you backing away slowly? Um, So we only have two topics this week because basically we have a character where. Okay, so here's. Okay, our second topic. Skip right to wrap up. Do that immediately. Um, Yeah, our our second topic (laughs) is so pervasive and so frustrating and has so many layers and we were all three so angry about so many pieces of it that we have decided to make uh this episode another one of those where we have one short topic and then we're just going to talk a lot about this one topic with the main character and just get it all yeah. out there because we don't want to cut off that topic we don't want to cut it short because there's so much and it's so frustrating and it's so toxic and it's so bad that we are committing about yeah. almost half of our and, episode to it and it is so pervasive that it even affects our first topic yeah, and, that's yeah. how pervasive this is uh, one thing so. i'd say is it's almost it's sort of the subplot of the entire book but it's so pervasive, it's almost a plot of the book. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the yeah. plot can't be- happen be- without it. Quite yeah. literally. Which we'll, we'll get, get to, to in the wrap-up. Jiffy gets brought up enough by the characters to be the subplot at the least. Yeah. And now, I, yeah. W- I would argue that because of the way, because of the nature of the main character's power, because the main character's <laughs> power tries to be a subplot on purpose for its own preservation, it makes it leaves this to stand alone as the actual plot. Uh, and the this is toxic masculinity. But, but we'll get for, to that. <laughs> yep. But for our minor character spotlight, and it's kind of a problem, this is a minor character spotlight. We don't really have a minor character to name because they don't even get, only one of them gets a name and the person who gets a name is actually a main character who just is in this. Okay, so here's the setup. <laughs> and it's okay if you need to pause this after I describe the setup to like let out a primal scream. It's totally fine. Okay. <laughs> we encourage it, in fact. Yeah. Please. Cathartic. Catharsis. <laughs> like, this is one of these, like, so bad, it's just bad. Talking about it can be fun. Reading it was miserable. Oh. Um Okay, so this is a a rape trial, and the trial is six people plus the judge, three on each side. That's three men and three women. One of the three men is the accused is the person accused of rape. One of the three women is the person accusing the man of rape. And what is actually happening is the judge says, so it probably went like this. And then whichever side the this applies to just kind of nods along or emotes. And it it's this really, it's, it is functionally no different from the judge making up a story about what happened. Kind of emotionally bullying everybody into going along with it. Mostly emotionally bullying the women into going along with it. And then giving his verdict for what must have happened. And so that we can get this out of the way... <laughs> The the verdict of this rape trial is uh, not guilty because, or not guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, that because the man must not have committed rape because, quote, I presume that she would have fled him at the outset had she disliked him and that he would not have forced her if she trusted him. Ellipsis. She may have tempted him with consequence she later regretted. 
which makes me wish we could swear on the podcast. <laughs> uh, it's it's so terrible because in case in case the language was a little uh, dense, it means because they already know each other. If he was dangerous, she wouldn't have been near him. And he would not have taken advantage of and raped someone that he knew if he knew that she trusted him, which completely misunderstands the reality that in the real world, most sexual assault is done is, is between people who know each other already. And just using that framing to say, because they knew each other, this must not be what happened, is just, is, is infuriating. It, it is so terrible. Uh, yeah, it's just bad. So that's the main thought that I have and the little bit of framing that is required for the rest of this discussion. <sighs> I was going to bring up the whole, um, I was going to bring up the whole, they know the rapist usually before. If you hadn't, because that's definitely one of the biggest mm-hmm. problems with this. I mean, one of the biggest yeah. problems, because there's so many, I don't know if it even counts in the top ten, but it's definitely a huge problem. Yeah. Yeah, and yes, this is a magical world, but these are, like, canonically humans, and f- a lot of them, like, with ancestors from the real world, and so... If that's the justification for carrying over the toxic masculinity that we're going to talk about after, then this kind of attitude, <laughs> it just, it's so terrible because probably given who the people are, it is more likely that the reality in Xanth mirrors the real world than that it mirrors whatever this person is saying. Yeah. Like, we obviously don't have sexual assault statistics for this magical land. Yeah. But with no evidence <laughs> saying that he must not have done it because they already know each other. Oh, that's. I. It, I'm speechless. It's so <laughs> terrible. Well, and it's. There's a piece with the way this trial is set up, too, where. Uh, Quite literally, everybody in there, including the accused and the uh, and the victim, are all anonymous, mm-hmm. and everyone there is supposed to just nod yes <laughs> at whatever the judge says. Um, and there's and and if you don't, you're outing yourself as the person who's being protected theoretically. Mm-hmm. So there is there's so there's just this layer of like there's no point to those people even being there other than just kind of the farce of oh yeah this is correct see look someone's being held accountable except they're not because the judge is just free to say oh well you know i don't think it happened and when i looked which quite literally happens in the book when i looked at it again to grab quotes um i noticed that this is technically like a pre-trial because the question is from the judge is like, okay, given that this is my opinion on it, do you want a public trial? Yeah. And the women shake their heads of, no, I do not want to be publicly humiliated when I already know that the authority figure thinks I'm making this up. Yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> Which is a perfectly reasonable response. I know that generally <sighs> we don't comment on how reasonable someone's reaction is, but like, oh, it it. Part of what is so frustrating is that 
given the power structures involved in this book, people are actually behaving in a reasonable way for self-preservation within this world. But this is where it is on the author to not have made a world where this toxicity is reasonable. And the main character excuses it as, aha, what, how perfect. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's it's not being called out. It's not an introspection. It's not an analysis. It's not... It's this quite, isn't the system they're going to topple. No, it's quite literally, oh, how beautiful. No consequences. Of Yay. course she deserved it. This is fine. It's really bad. It also sets up our main character to like heavily identify with the person falsely accused of rape, which is a, yeah. uh, I don't like that. A- and to also say, well, if she were raped then it's fine. Like, it's both. It's just so... Yeah, because it, it even bad. has the line, and my... my. There's a bit where, in the quote, where he starts to say the word rape and then doesn't, so, like, this isn't me misspeaking. She was a creature constructed for no other viable purpose than rape, than love. So the text knows that in this book, in the way that Bink is thinking about when that he is consistently holding himself back from sexually assaulting her because she's so beautiful. And the main reason, at least at first, that he's not just assaulting her is that she's not intelligent enough and that turns him off. I feel like I've strayed slightly into the next topic, but like that's that they're so intertangled, but like this is like during during and immediately after the trial, that's part of what's going on Oof. there. You know Duh. You know, one thing the only bit of trauma I had in this book going into it, and I don't know if it was probably not in probably I don't think it was intentional, but when he first found out that this was a rape trial and that, you know, they're all supposed to be playing doing this play, I thought he was actually being tricked into taking oh. <laughs> the farmer's place to actually rape this woman and then okay. he was supposed to be taking her place his place as the accused. I thought so too. I, I thought so too. <laughs> oh, like the person who sent him to it. Yeah, yeah. I thought the farmer was the rapist. <laughs> and the he was going thing. he was standing in for the for the, the accuser. I honestly okay. Here's the thing, we don't know it's not that. That's true. But <laughs> that's true. Uh when when the scene was kind of revealed and how it worked was kind of revealed at first i thought that either the farmer had raped three women and there were three possible subject suspects or that each man had raped one of the women <laughs> and that included the farmer who banks was standing in for that was what i thought and then it got to the end of the trial <laughs> and i was like oh no this is just a farce okay yeah. Yeah. I tend to feel a bit of that because when somebody does something really stupid, especially in this show, I have to pause for a minute because my first reaction is just <laughs> to, no, you idiot, you're about to say something really stupid. You're going to ruin the next hour of the show. Don't say it. <laughs> but I know <laughs> they're going to do it. <laughs> but in this book, that's like every five pages. Yeah, that's <laughs> like every one page. There's something terrible on every page. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it's like there were occasional almost five page stretches without very much terrible, and then it would just ruin it again. Um, The worst thing about this trial is that 
it's a really good idea in theory if it was executed well. Mm-hmm. The thing is, they have magic, and like, yeah, I'm I'm upset that the true spell is not involved yeah. in this, right? And so. Because of a thing with the main character, a great many things in this book are just kind of like randomly convenient in ways that make his life easier. Why couldn't someone who can do truth spells, because, okay, fine, that's a unique talent, whatever, other uniquely, other unique talents are available just at the right time, just when he needs them. Why couldn't it be that this village had a truth teller. Yeah. Or they could make a truth serum. Or there's like, we've got bread trees, we've got hypnogourds, why don't we have like truth leaves or some plant? <laughs> I-, I was just going to say the truth serum, especially when you consider that it's heavily hinted multiple times that when something's needed in this world, mm-hmm. it will it will appear or be, you know, that, mm-hmm. you know, there could be a tree that creates truth serum when it's needed yeah or even like a spring like there's i mean it's got a spring that heals and a spring that makes people horny why can't there be a truth-telling spring yeah like you've already established so many mechanisms oh god that's because that, tr- that love spring was so cringy <laughs> yeah it was a very uh. cringy because it, i it, it's not a it's not a love spring it's a non-consensual sex in the vicinity spring holy um, spring <laughs> well yeah no, nobody's consenting there conscription it's like, spring it, I hesitate to call it rape because oh no it's rape by co- everyone involved is equally victimized by the spring uh, like mm, yeah uh, like chemical. I mean I mean you could argue that they're sexually assaulting each other I'm okay with that definition it just Anyway, the spring is a whole thing. This book is obsessed with sex, with sexual violence, with sexual assault, with violation of consent. It's obsessed with it. And I, like, the thing is that, like, I was introduced to these books and I was like, these are so popular. They're great. I love all the magic and the world building. And, like, there's so much cool stuff in here, but it can't go more than five pages without just something as bad as this as and so i think this is where we should head into our second topic (laughs) on to our second and final topic now we're on to the the rants who wants to rant first I feel like I ranted a bunch about the first topic, so somebody else should go first. Uh, we're not going to run out of stuff. Yeah. Everyone's going to get a chance to rant. Uh, you Matthew, guys go you're first our guest. Be- <laughs> you, do you want to start? <laughs> you're the guest. Go first. Um, yeah. Just share, like, top two or three things that just for Especially anything that you noticed before we started talking about the book. I don't yeah, know if this falls under toxic masculinity, though it may very well, but I'm not a huge fan of the monarchy idea. The whole, <laughs> you know, ruler because, like, we, I think, I can't remember if we mentioned in the pre-stuff or during the stuff, but the whole, whoever has the most magic obviously should be the best ruler. You know, like, uh-huh. this whole, that also goes into the whole thing, if you don't have magic, you shouldn't be a, a citizen of this world. 
I do not like that mm-hmm. kind of mentality. The, you know, as it used to be, you know, the um, divine right of kings kind of a deal that, mm-hmm. you know, it's your heritage, or in this case, it's your magic that makes you more qualified to be a ruler. Yeah, like, this is, yeah, this is a little bit of a sidestep from toxic masculinity as a topic, but yes, I agree that it is uh, not great and just kind of arbitrarily a terrible thing that the sorceress is not allowed to be a monarch just because of her gender. That that's trash. I mean, it's into toxic masculinity. Like, here's yeah, the thing. I would argue she that she would feeds. not be a good ruler. I would argue that it feeds the toxic masculinity. Yes, because it because that kind of thing sets up everything around Bink and all his toxic masculine terribleness. Like we because we kind of get the arc of like where it start or like yeah. an early point where it hurt him as a kid. Yeah, like yeah. So who wants? So, uh, content warning for mutilation. Who wants to talk about the finger? I don't care about the finger. No, I'm well, kidding. <laughs> I mean, I should say. Okay, I'll go ahead and say. Yeah, you can talk so about the finger. So, as a kid, I think the f- he cut off. Yeah. Bink cut off his own finger and hit it because he didn't want to look weak or like he messed up. And he hit it until it had rotted and couldn't be magically reattached. And his mother was upset, and his father was like, "Ah, my boy's tenacious." Um. Like, he... He did he this thing in a world where you can just magically get it fixed in 0.2 seconds. And canonically, it says very specifically yeah. that if he had not hidden it, everything would have been fine. And from, like, a narrative structure, the only reason that he needed to have a missing finger is so that we could have it healed by a magic spring so that he could figure out that the spring was magic later. Like... Other than a couple of people being like, oh, you're missing a finger. And he's like, yeah, I know. Like, other than that, this disability does nothing. Like, but the reason that he hid the finger is because he uh-huh. didn't want to look weak. Right. Well, yeah. he Which literally is why it fits into this made, topic. Would, yeah, he literally makes his body weaker in an attempt to not look weak. Like, <laughs> I wouldn't like, say that. He just hides an injury for no reason because he doesn't want to get help. Yeah, but, but I mean... There are things that is easier to do if you have all five fingers, and he made him less able to. He made himself less able to do those things. Yeah, because of this, like it physically hurt him. His own toxic masculinity led to an injury, and then made it more permanent. And just <sighs> so, uh, Matthew, you were talking about like the king and how it's all passed down like with male rulers and like they don't challenge that like they challenge the uh it's definitely not right that you should have to have magic in order to be a citizen but never ever challenges the gender thing well yeah because oh there's no in-universe reason for bink to challenge the gender thing i'm saying this is a bad thing for the author they only challenge they only challenge the magic thing because our main feeler character feels emasculated by ant- by not having magic. <laughs> that's it. That's the only reason. In that's the only char- reason that's even a question. And the one character that was in position to d- challenge the, you know, males must be the ruler, the sorceress, I don't think she brings it up. I think she complains, but does she even yeah. make any attempt to fix it or even suggest it be fixed? Okay. Can I just can I just throw out there something that like this book did a disservice to a very interesting character. It did. And and okay, so even going along with the whole toxic masculinity thing, her power 
is canonically world-changing, real-feeling illusion. Uh Why didn't she just make herself look masculine and take (laughs) on a fake name and go be the ruler? Oh, you're right. Like, There's no reason for this except that the author wanted the main character to refuse seduction because... Oh, she's just using me and it wouldn't be really my power. And I want my other pretty precious doll of a lady that's waiting for me back home because if I have magic, then she'll marry me and I deserve her. Like, that's the only reason that she didn't, the sorcerers didn't do this. Oh, you're right. Because she could have been like, Like, I mean, I wouldn't. She could have just been like, I am a man. And they would be like, okay. And they would never know. And she, she did because she just wanted to try and seduce him and he had to resist her because he's so good and she just wants me. Like, no. Now, I don't think I would trust this kind of character in the hands of this author, but like from a purative, oh, really no. like how you build a book thing, like she could have been a trans man, a gender queer person, a gender fluid person. Could have been but for that matter, a cis she- person who, p- for practical reasons, yeah. is pretending to be a guy. That is also totally an option. Yeah, she like, was gonna, she was gonna dress him up as a different person. Why didn't oh, she dress true. herself up as a different person? Like the only Just reason that this it. character didn't do that thing is so that the author got to describe how sexually alluring the main character found her. That's the only reason and speaking of like weird stuff happening just so that the character can talk about how someone is sexually alluring a bomb goes off so that it can blow off (laughs) someone's clothes so that he can think about how much he's definitely not gonna rape her right now yeah Mm. this book makes me so angry so the the thing that just bothers me and and i okay so our tagline is toxic masculinity for this topic but this uh-huh. this is fantasy incel culture in book form yeah before the word incel which is kind of before impressive. the word incel but if you read it 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 has every it checks every box from incel perspective yeah right like both. origin and common usage today it yeah it's both the origin bad. of like the origin of what was supposed to be like a term for describing people who for like social reasons and multiple marginalizations are unable to find sexual or romantic partners. And also its current incarnation as of 2020 of uh, mostly white men online who are mad at women for not sleeping with them. Yeah. Like it's, it's quite literally like, okay, so I'm going to just TLDR the reason why it is this thing. Uh This main character cannot have his pick of a beautiful woman that he wants to marry and sleep with who is just smart enough to keep up with him, but not smart enough to do anything he doesn't want her to do. And she does want to sleep with him. And all of the women want to sleep with him. The only Mm, reason he can't have his pick is because he doesn't have magic and he's going to be exiled from the land because he's marginalized for not having magic. He literally walks yeah. her, and every single male character who talks about women in this book is like, oh, 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 yeah, I chose my wife because these were the qualities that I thought made the perfect woman. It's oh, just yeah. terrible. It is like a survey <laughs> it's of a what other people culture. think is the perfect woman. It's a literal culture oh, of gosh. this. We could mm-hmm. spend 20 minutes on um, Crombie and just how utterly 
toxic he is. He's probably the worst example of all the people that I remember. Just yeah. because he, he voices what the other people are thinking. Everybody's thinking yeah. it, but he's voicing it literally <laughs> and out for that loud. resolution, And for that resolution from Bank to be like, hi, fiance, I haven't spoken to in however long. Here is someone you might like to marry instead. Goodbye. Oh, yeah. I just spent that. more words on it than Bank did. They, they started, and also I just want to throw out there, there's the whole like sowing wild oats. So sowing wild oats is a metaphor. Oh, gosh. Yeah, in our world. Now, <laughs> in, in the book, <laughs> in the book, here's what sowing wild oats is. And I'm telling you all, instead of saying, read the book and find out, because I don't think anyone should ever read these books again. Uh, and I'm putting that on record because I, I, I think these are terrible. Sowing yeah. wild oats in the book is going out and collecting under certain magical uh, conditions like moonlight and time of night and et cetera and, and whatever. Uh, sowing wild oats is when you go out and you harvest a bunch of wild oats and then you plant them somewhere else and then you feed them with I believe your own urine by watering them yep. that way and and you do this because wild oats have I think it's a nymph yes it's a nymph uh, who is the nymph of that patch and when you are the one who is watering and caring for and tending that patch this nymph imprints on you <laughs> And will then be your sexual slave forever as long as you want her and will never, ever, ever go against you and is the most beautiful, perfect specimen of femininity. And so you go out and you sow wild oats to get yourself a sex doll slave that moves. Yep. And uh, I am made uncomfortable by your use of second person. That's how creepy this premise is in the story. Well, not quite on one thing. <laughs> not quite on one thing. I may be wrong, but I thought it was sort of implied that at least what his father said, I believe it was, that if uh-huh. there's something you can do and they'll disappear. Like if you make them, if you do something, say oh, something or do was, something wrong, they'll uh, leave It was you. that he, the reason that when the father was a young man and sowed wild oats, it didn't work. Uh, is that he didn't use his own urine. That's the thing oh. you can do wrong. Okay, yeah. I, thought it was, I thought it was something like, you know, if you don't treat him a certain way or no. do no, something no, 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 a no. certain way. Oh, okay. No, if you don't no. fulfill the magical requirement of of watering them with your own personal urine, then yeah. you just don't get this thing. But so the thing is, canonically, women don't like this if their partners do this. Oh, yeah. His mom is upset that his, his dad is talking about his it. His mom is upset that furious. his dad did it before. And the, the book frames it as, so mother is upset because of something that happened in your sexual past before you met her. Like, no. <laughs> That's not no. why she's upset. But the book literally says, mom doesn't like that you had a sexual partner before she came along. Like wrong yeah, it's it's, it's so framed gross like, and bad also like this like gaslits like everybody in this whole book yes like if we we could have done this entire section and called it gaslighting and talked about it from the women's perspective yeah i wish we could have done that it would have helped to get well, a woman's perspective okay. ever the reason we didn't is because because we didn't get a woman's perspective <laughs> Yes, Ever? <laughs> we didn't get a <laughs> we didn't get a woman's perspective because we only get the incels perspective. Uh, I'm just calling him that any- for now. Um, but also because if we're talking about trauma to the reader, this is the trauma to the reader. 
this this reinforcement of all of this and this saying like oh this is the way the world works and this like i am shocked it's like this is not the incel fantasy like doctrine for I don't real. know that it's not. It's, like, I'm, I yeah, I don't shocked. know that it's not, but I've never heard it connected to incel culture. I, I don't. Yeah. I haven't heard about that happening. But like, that is what this is. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just so gross and it's so bad. And there's so many examples. And we're we were just making this so, a really long episode, but we could talk about this. We could go chapter by chapter and just point out all of the variations on this thing that happen over and over and over and over and over and over and over. I was writing them all down and had to stop three chapters in for my own sanity. <laughs> uh, one thing like, that one thing that came to, one thing that came to my mind. Though now I realize that it was slightly wrong. The thing that made me think of it was the Selkie story, the myth of the, the Selkie. You know where yeah. mm-hmm. you know you're you get the perfect wife as long as you don't let her find her her, her seal skin, and then she'll return to the sea. And that's why I thought it was sort of like that. That it was something that you, you oh, know, after the fact, if you mess up in some way, you know, something yeah. equivalent to giving her her seal skin. She'll abandon you. <laughs> I yeah, mean, I, I mean, wish the book set it up so that they had that much freedom, <laughs> but it doesn't. Yeah, like I, there, there was there was a podcast I listened to that had like, um, it's called the Twenty Percent True Podcast. I I really really like it. It's a fiction podcast, um, that does like modern versions of of legends um and in that one the selkie story was talking about a domestic abuse situation and the person involved was a selkie and couldn't leave and couldn't think about how her boyfriend was actually terrible because she was a selkie and he had her pelt and that meant that he was perfect and awesome what do you mean no he has my pelt he must be perfect so like it was just this really, really good story. But this, this is not that. <laughs> this is not examining it. This is not, like, so it feels like this is from someone who has observed women be horrified by toxic, toxic masculine bullshit. Has observed all the women in his life. And assumed to be female people in his life. Be upset by all of this very terrible behavior disguised as being macho or just you know guys doing whatever of course you do this like and and seeing their reactions and fairly accurately portraying the reactions of yeah women around people who have more social power than them and consistently put them down and invalidate their humanity in this book literally because some of them aren't even human like oh that i think is the most upsetting thing about wildly enough that is probably the most upsetting thing about this book is how accurate the reactions of the women being and and let's Mm -hmm. be real let's be real this book there there is no anything other than cis women and cis men that exist that's they're not afforded like no characters are given 
anything. You don't even get androgynous. You have ugly women and beautiful women, and those are the only types of women. Like, yeah, that's it. Like, that's part of that's how it. Chameleon stands out is because she can exist in a middle zone. Oh, you oh also have mothers who used to be more beautiful when they were younger. Oh, yeah. you. Do. I'm sorry that you're correct. You do have mothers. That is a third feminine and box. Pa- but and no, it the feels most- a bit like part of why Iris is treated as so evil is because she's not married and doesn't have children. Yeah. And don't worry, the book fixes that. No, <laughs> she's married that. and they're sorry. definitely gonna My have bad. kids. <laughs> but no, the, the most upsetting thing about this book is how accurately it nails the women's reaction to being treated so terribly. Uh-huh. And then turns around and says oh yeah so this validates my toxicity that's the upsetting thing about this book is it could have now okay in the hands of a different author the premise for this book the toxic masculinity the fantasy and cell culture the objectification mm-hmm. could all have been taken set up as a world and then flipped to point out how terrible that is Instead, all of those things are set up and then validated as the way the world should work. Like if you took the second half of this book and then gave it to someone else or gave the take the first half of this book and gave it to someone else to write the second half. Yeah. You could do some interesting stuff with it. You would need to like fix a little bit in the beginning so people didn't rage quit. But no, 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 no. Don't fix things because you don't you're not trying to learn people that know better. You're trying, you're trying to, if you're trying to educate and you're trying to show how this is bad. And so you took the first half as is, this could be a very good, like, okay, we've set up this thing now, check out how victim reactions are not like validation for their treatment. You could have, they could have done that and said, this author said, perfect. This is exactly yeah. how we want everything to be. This is the right way. This is the good way. And I, now that I have been validated in my in my magic, now that I have my thing, I will now choose my perfect woman. That's the whole so, story. I want to um, maybe not calm down the level of our rage, but end this discussion talking about some minutes. of the no, less assaulty examples there's less assaulty Um, examples there are so one of the things very early on is that his mom he's talking we learn about an event when he was younger it's not sure how much younger but younger oh are we talking about his mom uses yeah his mom all the stuff with his mom uh his mom saves him from poison gas and then the book has this line or she calls him an endearing thing when she's very relieved that he did not die from poison gas. And then the bullies in his life who bully him for not having magic, um, use the thing that she, doesn't she like call him sweetie. It was something at that level. It wasn't sweetie, but it was, it was, it was essentially like, Oh my darling. Yeah. Something like that kind of, it wasn't like she used like a childhood nickname. Yeah, or she wasn't something. like, oh, my infant. <laughs> yeah, no, it was like, I am so glad you're still alive. I am so glad that my oh, my five second rewind power meant that I was able to save your life. Thank goodness. And 
so he's he gets bullied with this and it it has this just there's so many layers to this i want to say briefly in order so we have that he is upset with his mom for saying this in the moment then he is upset at the bullies not upset at the bullies for bullying him no no upset the bullies like upset that his mom left him vulnerable to bullying by calling him a nickname yes this is true um so it includes the line he had his life at the expense of his pride and i'm like of course oh thank goodness yes you're alive yes at the expense of your pride is completely fine like oh my goodness and then he goes and beats up the people who had bullied him and then there's a line about how he knows that he wasn't really angry at them. He beat them up, but he was really angry at his mom. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. He is this. This sets him up to be a domestic abuser. The only reason that possibly he won't be a domestic abuser he, in the rest of the series is because the author physically, I guess he already is emotionally. Yeah, he already oh, is emotionally. No. Here it right, is emotionally, and he he does things so that he won't hit the woman in his life through the entire book. Yeah, I was just gonna say that as far as I know, like he doesn't hit people later on in the books. But I haven't read these in ten years, so I can't confidently state that. <sighs> I just hope that past me would have stopped if that happened, and I'm not sure because I was deep in the. I hadn't unlearned this stuff yet. So, like, I don't know. It's, alright. And then, and then, in the current day, he is angry that his mom tried to arrange a guide for him when he leaves his village for literally the first time. Or near the first time, this makes no difference. He's going further away than neighbor has. And he resents his mom for packing food for the road because it made him dependent on her until the food that she packed ran out. Which, can I just point out, if you feel dependent on someone until their help is gone, especially if it's a physical item, hey, guess what? You can put it in a trash can or just not take it. Like, like if his pride was so important to him, yeah, there are canonically bread trees, or, or like, <laughs> give or, away or the like food. even let's just let's give him the tiniest shred of the benefit of the doubt and say, let's say there's some magical property about food because we're in Xanth, the land of everything being magic or magical or having magical powers, especially if it's a pun, especially if it's a pun, and let's just say that canonically, I'm making this up. This is fake and not in the book. Let's say. If in Xanth there was a magical, like, fey mythology type thing where if somebody creates food for you and you eat it and you take one bite, you owe them until the last bite is gone for some unknown reason because that doesn't logically track anyway. But let's pretend that was the rule. Let's uh-huh. say his mom handed him a sandwich and he was like, oh, thanks, thinking it was only like three bites. And then she pulls out a lunchbox of 20, 25 more sandwiches and says, here's the rest. And he's like, oh, no, I am now obligated magically to eat all of these and I will owe her until the last bite. Let's say that that happened. 
let's pretend I'm making this up. This is how uh-huh. mad. Let's pretend this is how that worked. Why not just drop them in a river? <laughs> yeah. Like- why? 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 Why not just eat them all really quickly? Like why? Like if, if that were the case, if that were the case, there would be any shred of like, oh okay, there's a reason for him to be upset about this or there's a reason for him to eat them first. But no, he's literally just mad because a woman in his life, his mother, did something nice for him so that he would have better food and not have to worry about foraging as much. I don't even get... Like, that's what happened. I don't even get it from a a toxic masculinity issue just because... What's wrong with it being you being fed? Like, well, the toxic masculinity <laughs> is because it's only because it's his mom and because she's a woman oh, and yeah. he's a man and he can't rely. Like that's the to- let's be real. That's the toxic masculinity part. But like, yeah, if his dad like, even outside of that, this makes no sense. Cloak, he wouldn't be mad about it, yeah. right? <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> no, you're right. Like outside of that, this makes no goddamn sense. There's no reason for it. You know, at least the one we talked about before about hurting yourself or. You know, there's a reason for maybe being upset. You know, this just seems like... Yeah. Stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not even a good stupid. Like, yeah. there's... You know, there's reasons to be upset that can be stupid, but at least makes sense. If it, if yeah, there's, there's logical reasons to be upset about things that are actually okay. This is nothing the only reason he's upset is because the author needs a reason for him to hate his mom like that's it that's the whole yeah. reason oh definitely this whole book just so many times where it just like we mentioned just constant talking about how he's so uh, sorry. You know, like the, it, it reminds me of you know, every time we talk about women, it's because it's about their beauty or why they're, you know, how they're toxic, and you put up with them or, because they look pretty, <laughs> or uh-huh. their intelligence and how there's a balance of intelligence versus magic versus being magical, and how you I can't have like- all three. And so, if you have a smart woman who is also has this thing, then there's a thing. It's, yeah, it's all bad. Yeah, uh, it, yeah, it explicitly is a message that Bink can't trust beautiful, intelligent women. And who are also before magical. we wrap up this, yeah, before we wrap this up, I want at this very end, we should talk about a thing that is a major spoiler for the book. So, but I, no, I'm just saying at the, at the end here, yeah, at the yeah, end yeah, here yeah. is the best time to talk about it. So if you don't want yeah. the very major spoiler for the book, go to the wrap up now. All right, we need to talk about Chameleon. Mm. So, Chameleon is a character who we have mentioned, we have mentioned the names Wynne, Dee, and Fanchon. Those are actually all Chameleon. Wynne is when Chameleon is extremely beautiful and extremely unintelligent and unwise. Somehow it's both. The book only says intelligence. Uh, D is kind of this middle zone, like average, pretty average intelligence. And then Fanchin is when she is very smart, but somehow never smarter than Bink. Um, not, not quite like more observant, but eh. I know why Um, intelligent and wisdom are equated. Why? This is a joke for, for legal purposes. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, it's because incels only care about IQ. <laughs> uh, yep, 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 yep. Uh, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> things that I normally would have pulled apart as intelligence and wisdom are bundled together in this book. And so Fanchin is when Chameleon is That's also is why she's very never smart. smarter than him, by the way. Because he has yeah. the best IQ. Mm-hmm. Uh, IQ is not a thing in very this book. <laughs> that yeah. was a joke, but it's the same mentality. She's, she's very smart and very ugly. Like, ah, oh, there's this, oh, there's such a terrible bit where, like, um, she asks for, like, they're imprisoned and she asks for a curtain to hide her body. And he is thinking, oh, of course she wants that because if she'd been pretty and she were stared at, then she could, like, at least enjoy that someone was looking at her body. But because her body is ugly right now, she has nothing to hide behind and can't even appreciate being ogled. It doesn't use the word ogle, but otherwise that's basically what it says. Um, And then it turns out that's not even why she wanted the thing. She wanted it to help with their escape attempt. So it was a pointless, pointless rumination that does nothing but give Bank yet another opportunity to be very, very sexist. Um, so these two characters end up married because, of course, because this book is terrible. Um, they end up married. And at the very start of the book, he had like had a vision or like saw a thing where like a hawk carried off a chameleon into the sky. And so he's been obsessed with like this thing that happened at the very beginning of the book. The very last line of this book is... At last, Bink understood the meaning of his omen. He was the hawk who had carried away Chameleon. She would never get free. This, dear audience, is the triumphant last line of the book right after they get married. Oh, one other thing I will bring you Robin, up about- Robin, can you read the- quickly read the description yes. of the beginning of the book, of how the book starts? Uh, let me pull that up. Give me one moment. Say your thing while I find okay. that, Matthew. One thing I would bring up about- her being ugly, and this is something that kind of reminded me of the little bit I listened of your um, J.K. Rowling thing is, it gets hammered into almost every time she's brought up, like she gets turned into a, she gets turned into a basilisk. She's a hideously ugly, even for a basilisk, basilisk. You know, she whatever mm-hmm. she's turned into, she turned, she's the version of it that she is as her as her human. Yeah. And then at one point, someone offers, not knowing her curse, offers to make her beautiful. And she's like, no, because then she would be beautiful and intelligent at the same time and ugly and stupid at the same time. And that's not an improvement. (sighs) In a world where everyone wants to rape her, it might actually be an improvement. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Um, no, but the author then couldn't have the the fantasy. So then it's... (laughs) Yeah, but in the <laughs> book, she doesn't think it's an improvement. And I'm thinking when when she's extremely vulnerable to sexual assault and in this book canonically, because somehow everyone is obsessed with how everyone looks and no man would ever sleep with an ugly woman or whatever toxic trash this book is. Um, in this book, in that toxic world, it might actually be her, if, to her advantage to be beautiful and smart and then to be ugly and stupid because then maybe she would have less trauma happening to her. Like, 
separate from Bink or anything else, given that this curse exists, which is terrible enough. Also, it varies on a monthly cycle. Yeah. Yeah, that's not as a coincidence. Is the womanly. Bleh. Here's something that comes to mind just suddenly about about that is assuming it happened recently before the trial, we run into her in the trial while she's beautiful and stupid. Oh, so very likely she. Right. That also goes to the whole idea that maybe she was raped just because right. she's in the position where it would happen. And she'd yes. be too stupid. If the trial she'd, was immediate- she'd probably be too stupid, at least in the author's mind, to be able to say no because she wouldn't have, you know, right. her cognitive abilities at that point. Yeah, that's a good point. <sighs> uh, okay, so which I'm at the beginning of the book. Which bit did you want me to read? Like just until um, the line happens about it threatening Bink. I'm just asking because it's like four paragraphs. Okay, I know you just found it. I'll read it. Oh, okay. That's fine. Because I just, it's easier for me to read it than describe. Sure. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm going to read select sentences that all create sure. the narrative. Okay. Uh, a small lizard. So this is. So this is tying into the hawk chameleon omen thing. Uh, this is that omen. This is the setup for the omen. Mm-hmm. A small lizard perched on a brown stone, feeling threatened by the approach of human beings along the path, it metamorphosed, metamorphosed? Okay. into a stingray beetle, then into a stench puffer, then into a fiery salamander. Uh, these conversions weren't real. It had assumed the forms of obnoxious little monsters, but not their essence. It could not stink... Uh, cannot sting, stink, or burn. It was a chameleon using its magic to mimic creatures of genuine threat. Uh, then it yet it shift as it shifted into the form of a basilisk. It glared at him with such ferocity that Banks' mirth abated. If its malice could strike him, he would be horribly dead. Then abruptly, a silent moth moth hawk swooped down from the sky and caught the chameleon in its beak there was a thin scream of anguish as the lizard convulsed and it dangled limply as the hawk ascended the chameleon despite all its pretensions was dead even while trying to threaten bank it had been destroyed by another agency this realization continued to percolate through bank's emotion the chameleon was harmless uh was and other things in xanth were not uh was bank fated to die brutally or is this some enemy of his then it goes on, describes a little bit about the world. Uh, okay. So then he has like this whole this whole thing about how the chameleon is not harmful to him. And how like the chameleon tries to look fierce, tries to be threatening, tries to be cool, tries to be interesting. Uh, and it's never a harm to him because it's all an illusion. Oh gosh. And then it ends the book with the line Robin read before where he was the hawk killing the chameleon. <laughs> and he's triumphant cuz he got her. Yeah. Like he he has his magic. He has to be protected by the king. And he has a woman, not the one he loved so much at the beginning of the book, mind you. Oh, no. He has his um, his murdered chameleon. 
that's his love. Yep. And he um, killed her. Metaphorically. I, yeah. Her free will. <laughs> right, I, but, but the metaphor is <laughs> the, the literal dead animal. Yeah. Um, that feels like a good place to end this. I am angry and I'm ready to go to the wrap-up because <laughs> I... I have never had so much trouble with trying not to swear on this podcast. I'm sure, like, there are books in the queue that are probably going to give me this much trouble again. But this one, I had read it before, and I wasn't expecting it because last time I read it, I hadn't realized how bad it was. And it is so bad. Like, not even, like, fun bad read. Like, this is just bad. It's just so bad. Milton, what's your favorite cryptid? That's easy, Bailey. It's a Mothman. It just shows up, warns you of danger, and then just leaves. It's literally me at any party. What about you? Mine would have to be Bigfoot. She's a world traveler, and much like me during quarantine, she's real hairy. If you love all things strange and obscure, then you will love the Happily Ever Haunted podcast. My wife, Bailey. And my husband, Milton, cover all things paranormal and beyond in a fun and entertaining way. You can find our podcast on your favorite podcast app. And remember, those that haunt together, stay together. I have never been so grateful to get to the wrap-up and ratings. Um, <laughs> it's possible that we'll record something else that comes out before this. It's technically possible where I will have that sentiment. But for now, where we are right now, I have never been so grateful to get to the wrap up. This book was terrible. Okay. Uh, the gratuity rating for the trial. Um, okay. Moderate? Like, no. I don't know. Like, no, severe? Severe? I don't even know anymore. This uh, so, it is, is so per- bad. It's it's it, uh, it's treated mm-hmm. like it's a joke or like it's mild. But it's, it's treated it's like not. a joke. Mm-hmm. But it's I I would argue that it is severe. Okay. It's Just literally quick. dismissal of autonomy and it's victim blaming all rolled up oh, in one true. and treated as though it's fine. Yeah. To the point where, like, trying to quote anything from it requires a content warning. Yeah, just so it's severe. Immediately. Yeah. Uh, just one quick thing. Any, what do you mean by dis- gratuity in that? Sorry, I probably should have asked. I meant to ask oh. this before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, just in case you uh, missed the early bit of the episode and jumped straight to the wrap-up, we have a guest for this episode. Oh, yeah. Hello. Hey, <laughs> Sorry. it's Matthew. <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, yeah, so... For gratuity rating, it's like how much of this is in the story and when it's there. And how like, visceral are the descriptions? Yeah. Like, so you could have like a trauma where like the trauma itself is very minor. Like you could describe a paper cut in a way that is severe if you put your mind to it. Mm-hmm. So like it doesn't have anything to do with like how bad the trauma as an idea is, but it's how the execution is. Like how does it actually show up on the page? Yeah, like okay. you can jump um, over a murder and say, oh, they died. And that's right. it. And that's mild. 
or you like can describe you can describe the act. way a paper cut happens it really viscerally and that would be and severe. there's lemon juice like yeah you can make it be a very visceral terrible experience yeah. even when the trauma itself is relatively small so overly um, uh um uh not even overly just kind of like just just very graphically we, we can give yeah. you examples after the recording no, I'm just trying yeah, to what is the word. Like, I'm trying to think of like overly um, relishing in it. I guess was the best way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. So if it if it kind of like revels in it or relishes it, that's where you'd get up to the level of torture porn. Um, the more explicit the description, the more likely it is to be severe. And then if you're clearly meant to enjoy this very traumatic thing as an audience then whether or not you actually do. But if it's written like you're supposed to, that then goes to torture porn. So this, I think, is severe because I don't think it's set up like you're supposed to enjoy the events of the trial. No. Um, I don't think so. You're definitely supposed like to be it. happy about the outcome, and that is very upsetting. Yeah, um, well, it's not, it's not torture porn. It, it's not, but it is definitely a severe depiction yeah um uh for integral interchangeable or irrelevant so if something is integral that means oops sorry i forgot toxic masculinity (laughs) gratuity i was so upset by talking about the trial that i forgot uh toxic masculinity I think that this is torture porn because you're supposed to totally nod along and agree with all the stuff. And there's you're also... supposed to think that he's right. You're supposed to yeah. think that this is great. You're supposed to think that all the bad stuff that happens to women is totally fine and makes sense. Or like, oh, that's a little unfortunate. Like, like oh, it's... how tragic it is that women are just like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They it's get really played bad. multiple times throughout the story. Yeah. It's yeah. really bad. Um, like, like I said, Crombie is the worst. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go ahead and just because this is the wrap up and if you don't listen to the regular part of our episode, you might not get this. This is incel torture porn. It's yeah, for incels to is... enjoy and revel in. And to be clear, this book is older than the term incel. Yeah, but, but this is, uh, this uh, is textbook. We... Yeah. Yeah, this is definitely torture porn and it just... It was so frustrating and upsetting to read that it became the in, the second topic and we don't have a third topic because we just talked about that. That's like I, how much this is in the book. I kind of made a joke <laughs> uh, when I got here because I have a spoiler alert for our readers. I was late to the recording today. Uh, <laughs> I read this book right before we recorded or finished it right before we recorded and I had 45 minutes left when I finished reading before our time slot. And I was like, you know what? I feel really, really exhausted and tired. I'm going to take a quick nap. And I set myself an alarm and I slept straight through it. And then I woke up 15 minutes after we were supposed to start recording. And I kind of made a joke about how this book was so awful that it just made me really tired. I don't actually, after discussing it, I don't think that's a joke anymore. I think I was so angry at this book and how bad it is mm-hmm. that my brain was like, okay, nap. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. no, we need to just not deal with this right now. We're done. Goodbye. Yep. And like, it's really bad. 
It's really, uh, really bad. Moving on to integral, interchangeable, or irrelevant. If something is integral to the plot, it means that if you take this out, the plot doesn't happen. Integral means that you need something, but it didn't have to be that thing. Mm-hmm. And then irrelevant means you could just take it out and nothing would change. Matthew, what do you think is the rating for the trial? Um, <laughs> I know what I think. Is there a fourth option beyond irrelevant? <laughs> it seems <laughs> yeah, okay, you're right, you're right along it, with what I was thinking. <laughs> I put it actually put it as gratuitous because it's not even just irrelevant. It just seems to be stuck in there at the best I for mean, world building and worse just to be. That's the irrelevant rating. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's irrelevant. No, that's, <laughs> that's what the irrelevant rating is for. Um, I, just yeah. think, I think Usually, it goes beyond that. It feels like it was beyond it's, irrelevant. It, it, <laughs> I think you're trying to pointless. capture <laughs> yeah. yeah, the idea that it feels insulting and terrible for it even to be in there. <laughs> and it doesn't do anything for the story. Yeah. Um, Other than introduce a character, <laughs> but that's it. Oh, <laughs> yeah, kind so, of. Yeah. Even yeah. then, they didn't need to introduce her that way. Yeah. Like, that yeah. was. Yeah. So, toxic masculinity, I have a wild opinion. It is simultaneously irrelevant and integral. Let me explain. (sighs) No, I agree. Uh, I know where you're going with this. There was no reason for it to be there. It is terrible and awful. But it's also... It's also everywhere. It's the entire book. Most things happen because of interactions that are part of this toxic masculinity. The plot wouldn't happen without this. But but also we had a whole discussion in the book, and this is backing you up. We had a whole uh-huh. discussion earlier, or in the episode, not in the book, uh, about how <laughs> the first half of this book could have been taken and flipped to be a critique. Right. With keeping kind of a lot of the same plot things, or most of the, really all the same plot things. You could have taken Keep the, the exact half, same story. The half a critique. Yeah, you could have taken the exact same story with everything happening the same way. And if you just flip the narrative on it, it would have been the same story without the toxic masculinity. So, like, yes, I'm 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 fully with you on that split rating. Irrelevant and so integral. I feel like what this actually boils down to is it. The toxic masculinity is integral to the plot, and this book is irrelevant to your life. <laughs> Don't. Well, another way I would put, another way I would put it is, um, it's integral to the plot, but the level of it is irrelevant. Like there's, yeah. you know, like, like every single it instance, it could have, been, didn't it could have be had there. it without having the like the trial and everything else is just, you know, like it could have been a one or a two, and it's like a five. Uh huh. <laughs> Like, every single individual instance is irrelevant, but they add up to be so much of the book that if you start taking them out, the entire thing collapses. But you don't Uh, have to take it out. You could just flip it so that it... Okay, there's a whole thing with this, but basically, basically, yes. I don't know what you're going to put in your little, like, tracking spreadsheet, uh, but I I feel like you can't... I just put single words, so I put put the slash in there. I said it's integral and slash irrelevant. Yeah, um... You can't take it out of the book without making it an entirely different book. You can't really swap it out for something else without making it a different book. Because even the thing you suggested that would make it a better book would make it a different book. Well, um, it would, but it would not change. But we don't, 
okay. When we say different book, though, we specifically say plot. I f- and yeah, you could this make this plot, including the bad things happening, happen uh-huh. and take out the toxic masculinity and still have all of those things just just happen. They would just I happen like for a- with a different internal monologue. Okay, that's true. That's my I just point. Feel like a book where he learns that toxic masculinity is actually no, 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 bad. no, 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 no. Hey, you're mi- you're missing what I'm saying. Oh. I'm not oh, okay. saying the character learns a single thing. Oh, I'm saying okay. the narrative of toxic masculinity is critiqued for the reader instead of whether being, or not the character learns. Whether or not, yeah, okay. the character would not learn. That would be the entire <laughs> point: is that the character is bad and should feel bad, and ends the book being bad and should feel bad. <laughs> But the point is that the narrative then would be that the character is bad and should feel bad instead of the character is right. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So plot-wise, this is irrelevant. But also, this is the only narrative that the author cares about. So they've made it integral. So much so that like even the trial is part of the toxic masculinity in the book. Like We really yeah. have one topic. <laughs> we <only> have one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Feel, feel good about that, Matthew? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't know say, uh, what if I should say yes or no just because I don't, I don't feel good about anything in the book, but... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I hey. saying oh. at least. <laughs> We're laughing because it hurts. Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, was the trauma treated with care? I can't even take this question seriously. Okay, so normally, normally we have, like, this very, like... We have a um, whole nuanced, like, thing that uh, we go through, but I'm just going to go ahead and say, for both topics, no. 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 <laughs> Absolutely not. Like, normally we'll be like, oh, you know, like, it's this thing, like, like even, even books were, like, the books were torture porn, or, like, had topics that were torture porn. We've been like, it was not enough care. This is just, no. No. They didn't try, <laughs> like... Oh, they, they tried they very tried They tried very bad. hard to make it as traumatic as <laughs> physically possible because that's what they want to be real. <gasps> and even the parts um, they got... Even the good parts, like we mentioned, were... They had a good idea. They still made it worse. <laughs> they still made it <laughs> like, really bad. I think I think I'm crying. This is so bad. This is so terrible. <laughs> like my eyes just started leaking. Like, oh my goodness. Just no. <laughs> no care. This book doesn't this book doesn't care about any female characters. This book doesn't care about its male characters either. This is true. It doesn't this care book about doesn't care characters. about anybody being okay because it wants everybody to be suffering as the norm and thinks that that's wonderful. Yeah, but like, the males get something in the want in the end, you know. Like the like, oh my god! But, <laughs> they, but but the thing that they wanted was female bodies to control. So mm, I'm not even cool. <laughs> not with even framing it that, that way. <laughs> yeah. No. I. Yeah. That's uh, that doesn't. Thank you for making that point, Matthew. But that's not that's not a redeeming anything in the book's favor. Oh, yeah, I didn't say redeeming. I'm just saying that you know the, the males got. Something. You're just saying that the males at least got the prize that they were after. Yeah, yeah. No, that, no. It's I a actually, terrible prize, but at least it's. That, I, I will say that you do. There is a superficial. Oh yeah, sure. Here's your um. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sure, you can get the gross thing that you wanted they it will got, kill you <laughs> but i don't think i don't think even iris who was the closest to getting what she wanted really yeah. got what she wanted in the end yeah, yeah. it's just all bad 
All bad so all bad. the time. <sighs> okay, all right. This book, this book is tip. bad and it should feel bad. <laughs> yes. Oh, wait, no. Point. I keep trying to skip topics because I just want to exit. <laughs> no, I, no, there is no division. I said both topics say no. Done. No, no, no. I, I went. I tried to go straight to the writer tip and I was going to oh, no, skip that's point fine. of view. Yeah. <laughs> well, the point of view <laughs> okay. is Bink. It's just bank. That's it for everything. And it says well, normally we have the point of view for the trauma and the aftermath. There's no aftermath. There's all trauma. <laughs> like the toxic masculinity doesn't stop. The toxic masculinity lasts until the supposed to be triumphant, but actually very horrifying final line of the book. Like th- there's literally no space for aftermath because we never there, stop. There's no space for aftermath hurt. because the traumas in this book are set up as positives. So there's uh-huh. no aftermath because this is an advocation in fiction form for these things to be the the positive norm. So you can't have aftermath if you don't acknowledge that something is bad because it doesn't stop. Yeah. So I mean, if it stops, but then no one talks about it, that's its own kind of aftermath, but that's not That's not an aftermath. Here. That's continued trauma. Mm, okay okay that's true i guess that's just yeah. transformed trauma yeah that's okay. transformed trauma that's not aftermath that's just that's a good point that's just oh we're not gonna we're gonna let you just suffer like that's more trauma that's not yeah <sighs> but anyway this book didn't even do that <laughs> no <laughs> it's just bad until the from the beginning to the end and it makes sure you don't forget about the beginning <sighs> okay <laughs> aspiring writer tip my only coherent thought is don't don't write books like this i mean if someone wanted to i have read a really interesting book previously that started out with a very terrible toxically masculine incel ish ish wasn't actually an incel in the book being a point of view character and i almost rage quit that book but all i had to do was hang (laughs) on for the prologue to find out that it was actually fine and the author was doing a pretty cool thing yeah um that book is the academy by cj daly make it through the prologue and you'll be fine Uh, it's a good book Uh, this i had read this before so i knew i didn't have a hope of this being that because i remembered chameleon (laughs) so uh Five pages in, I was like, why did I say we should talk about this book on the podcast? (laughs) Why? Why? Damn, our guest already read it. (laughs) Okay. No, we can't. No, we can't blame Matthew for this. No, 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 no. No, my poor planning for not like. No, no, no. I'm saying I think it's a good thing we read. I think it's a good thing we read this book to talk about this book. It is good. It's good. We it's need not, to talk about this kind of we thing. We needed to, yeah, we needed to cover this. This was a very yeah. good example. It's I had a very long-running popular series yep. that people still recommend. Yep. Neither of you two had read. Yep. I feel like my aspiring writer tip is go back in time and say, "Hey, can you like not?" I have a better aspiring. I have not better. I have a different you've, aspiring. You've won something. Could someone can actually do? Yes. that's probably better. Yes. Okay. <laughs> my aspiring writer tip for this book. is fan fiction authors don't be afraid (laughs) to take terrible books like this and then write a critique if you want or take a terrible concept like this don't be afraid to take a terrible concept like this and say hey i want to delve into this thing and then 
flip it so that the characters the characters do not have to learn anything and the characters don't have to be less toxic and the characters don't have to deal but don't make your readers don't tell your readers oh yeah this toxic horrible awful thing is the way the world should be that's my aspiring writer tip is you are okay to write terrible horrible toxic awful characters and plot lines that are bad from start to finish and everyone in the book is bad and they should feel bad you are it is okay to do that but don't tell your readers don't tell your audience that that's the way the world should be because it's better that way that's my aspiring writer tip because this book is not bad because it tackles toxic masculinity this book is bad because it tells you that toxic masculinity is the best way so and my aspiring these two things are tip, not the same and my, yeah. uh, my aspiring author tip is similar to robin's but probably just slightly more <laughs> slightly concise <laughs> slightly concise of don't <laughs> just don't just don't do this <laughs> don't do yeah. it <laughs> yeah no no i literally took a <laughs> Uh, my liter- my brain literally was like, okay, we nap now. We're done <laughs> after reading this. And that was bad. Okay. Don't write uh, like this. Don't even think about writing like this. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to give Robin and Matthew, I'm going to give you both an out. <laughs> if either of you does not have a favorite non-traumatic thing about this book, you can just say, I don't have one and we'll move on. Nobody has to sit here for 20 minutes. Like, uh, 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 I don't know. Now. If we all, if any of us have one, let's do that. <laughs> so I do have one. I can I can think of. Okay, go for it. For me, it's sort of a sequence, but particularly just think as this one particular animal. Just the thought pattern, the <laughs> the the way he acted. He thought it was just hilarious. It was downright hilarious. Just. <laughs> you know like he had to keep being reminded of doing what he's supposed to be doing like his mind just mm. kept wandering from the, I don't know oh, how the far salamander? We, yeah because I don't know how far we're supposed to go into spoiler but just his whole it's like oh burn everything you know <laughs> it was just sort of cute and, and just you know just sort of that most people don't really do animal spell they treat animals sort of as you know, thinking similar to humans. So just this sort mm-hmm. of, rather than thoughts, it's more just impulses. I, I just uh-huh. really enjoyed it. Plus it was kind of funny. <laughs> you know, just as re- <laughs> you know? Yeah. I really, this is probably not totally non-traumatic, but it is my favorite thing about the book. It's the only good thing about the book. I like how much the non-human creatures think the humans are terrible. (laughs) That's my favorite thing. (laughs) Is that every interaction that our main character gets with a non-human creature, that non-human creature is like, no, you are the scourge on this world. (laughs) You will die. (laughs) And I think that's great. (laughs) Now, none of them succeed, but I was fully on the basilisk side. (laughs) I was fully on the centaur's side. I was like, oh, good. Oh, he lived. Okay. <laughs> like that's Oh oh yeah. I was cheering I was cheering at that the basilisk part for me. Yeah, I was like, yes. 
This is fine. This is okay. Um, gonna... Yeah, that's my favorite gonna... thing about this book, how traumatic or not. Like, I thought it was great that the humans are canonically the villains and they're told to their faces that they're the villains. And I thought it was like, okay, good. Wonderful. I'm going to... All right, let me think briefly because I'm the one who used to love these books. Admittedly, a lot of the stuff where I'm like, ah, hypnogords. Oh, they get their own book later. The coolness about them isn't in this book. Um, <laughs> like, it's all the stuff like that where I'm like, oh, that's going to be great in like a later book that I'm definitely not going to read because I'm never reading the series again. So, um, uh, but also, <laughs> gosh. Um, okay, one thing that I do like, and the toxic masculinity so entangles everything that unfortunately it got into this too. But generally speaking, the puns are good. The puns are cool. Like, this series, like, loves wordplay and language <laughs> and stuff. And it's nice. I like that. I think that's a lot of what kept me reading these for so long. But I'm... I mean that's it. It's that's that's one of the things that I really used to love about this series. Growing up, the that's only, growing up, that's the only thing I knew about this series. I think I mentioned mm-hmm. before I read the first, that one book was just the amount yeah. of just puns and play on words, and like even the the land Xanth. This is written by Pierre Xanthony. I did not catch that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Xanth is from his name. Yeah, so that's a thing. But like, yeah, the puns are cool. Um, I don't know if you actually, I don't think you actually learn in this book, like, technically Xanth is just Florida. It's just magical Florida. Like, Xanth is shaped exactly like Florida. Wait, Xanth has a, okay, I've never seen a map of Xanth. Xanth has a canonical shape and it is Florida. Um, uh, as a non-Floridian uh yeah it's just it's just magical florida that's what it is uh i will oh yeah send, it is uh my there's, there's a few more the... inlets and stuff but not really much more <laughs> yeah it's it's magical florida oh, so, oh like, my god i just found the map <laughs> yeah cool world building stuff of that like this the book just world building really well it's just unfortunate that the world that was built any resemblance to any mundane peninsula is strictly in the mind of the author who lives near the north village aka a location marked on this pretend not florida (laughs) okay yeah yeah okay i mean that's its own level of like weird pretension i didn't make a fantasy map i just copied florida okay but but like but the the fact that he says (laughs) <laughs> the fact that he says I live in it he's literally calling himself out for okay this puts yeah. a whole this is okay so we already knew <laughs> <laughs> 
I realize this is the end of our wrap up. We already knew that this author is arguing that the toxic masculinity in this book is the way the world should function. This is literally him saying here in my real world where I live in this state that I'm pretending this isn't it, that I in a land that I've named after myself, this toxic masculinity is the way life should be. So this is not an accident. This is a literal everybody should be terrible the way my characters are terrible. This is yeah. not even, this is not fantasy. This is actually what he wants. Yep. Okay. I feel like we're doing a bad job of this having be the non-traumatic bit, but anyway. I'm uh, sorry. I just didn't this, realize this that before this ha- before ev- this moment. <laughs> Absolutely. This, this book is terrible. Uh, most of the characters should feel terrible. The other characters should get out of Xanth. Get away from the other characters. Just, oh my god. Mm, it's not good. It's not good. Uh, we read this so you don't have to. That's not normally our perspective on this podcast, but don't uh, read this series. It's don't awful. don't let the puns lure you in. I know the covers are cute. I know the puns are funny. Like that kept me going for like fifteen books. Don't. It's not worth it. Uh, it it's if you don't realize that's what's happening. It like. It's so constant that it like makes it easier to start think just start thinking just like these characters, and that's bad. It's kind of Ugh. it's like Ugh. Uh, it's not good. Um, thank you so much. Uh, we're <laughs> sorry that we devolved into co- incoherent ranting because this was so bad. Um, Matthew, your pluggables. Where can people find your podcast? Uh, say the podcast's name again. Um, <laughs> Any um, links to your Twitter handle? Are you on Instagram? Do you have a YouTube channel? Where are you at? How can we find you? I have an old YouTube channel, but I haven't used it in ages. Well, your podcast's YouTube channel. <laughs> um, well, we, don't, we don't have one for podcast yet, but we, um, we're on Podbean, iTunes, um... So you're on a bunch of podcast players. Do you have a website? We don't have a website yet. We do have a Patreon, but we don't have a website. All right, drop your Patreon. Um, give me a second here. Um, Patreon.com, unintelligible. And we're called the Unintelligible Design um, Podcast. For You can find us on Podbean, you design... Sorry, the letter U design dot podbean dot com if you want to find <laughs> Awesome. Uh and tell people just a little bit about what your podcast is, like one or two sentences. Well we're still in flux and we're still trying to figure it out, but we're about um atheism, skepticism, a lot about religion. We try to avoid politics, but as a few podcasts have pointed out it's really hard to separate politics and religion right now in the United States where most of us have to deal with it. It's, mm-hmm. there's not much difference yep. between the two. Yeah. But we do try well, to stick at least mostly to <laughs> religion and skeptical things. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for reading this terrible book. Sorry that you read this terrible book. Uh, <laughs> 
Sorry that we <laughs> Thank made you, you so much for joining us. Um, <laughs> I was actually on your podcast a while ago in one of the early episodes. Um, so uh, thank you so much for having me then. By the time this comes out, this that will have been months ago. But thank you. <laughs> uh, and to all of our audience... We will catch you in a fortnight, unless you're a patron, in which case we'll catch you in a week for the epilogue. Don't know yet if Matthew's going to be back with us for the epilogue. We'll see. But you at least catch me and Nicole in a week for that. So, bye. Bye. All music used in this podcast was created by Nicole as Heartbeat Art Co. and is used with permission. You can follow us on Twitter at Books That Burn, all one word. You can email us with questions, comments, or book recommendations at booksthatburn at yahoo.com. Support us on patreon.com slash booksthatburn. All patrons get access to our upcoming book list and receive a one-time shout-out. You can leave us an iTunes review. This helps people to find the show. And find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks.